Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Jim welcome Kelly. in, everybody, to Trickle Down with Theories the with round, your host, Dan Eric Trickle. NFL draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the draft all about. Here and in, you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Locker she was running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft, there has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories. I'm your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL, the draft, with a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I am an analyst with MileHuddle.com. We just talk about all things from signings, trades, rosters, team needs, draft, just anything and everything you can think of. Joining me today is Nick Kendall, a colleague of mine at Mile Huddle and a draft analyst as well. He also is the co-host of the Huddle Up Pod that he does with Carl Dummler that focuses on the NFL draft. Nick, how are you doing? I am doing pretty good. A little later than we normally go on my end, but that's that's okay. So ready for the weekend. And uh, the sun's sticking up a little bit longer, so it's got me in a better mood. It's, not, it's dark here now, but you know, driving home, still bright. Got to take the dog outside. And I've been enjoying making doing this mock draft with you as well. I'm just kicking, kicking your butt and all my picks. <laughs> Yeah, the lighting has changed here where it was getting dark at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's now not starting to get dark at 9 p.m., so it's definitely causing some changes with us. And uh, you just had a recent trip that was somewhere that was in Alaska, so I don't really care, but how was it? <laughs> it was uh, pretty. Florida's nice. We're on the Gulf Coast. Unfortunately, it was a little bit cold for that time of year, but you know what can you do? Still got to take a vacation, sit on the beach, and just relax and turn off my brain for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I hear that. It would be nice to have a vacation sometimes. Yeah. Well, Necessity. Yeah, it is, especially this time of year with us covering the draft and yeah. all this stuff. It just really is a lot of wear and tear mentally and physically. Yep. Well, on this episode, as I said, we're going to be doing a mock draft. It's going to either be a series of podcasts that will go over all seven rounds, but it's just going to depend on how this first round does with you, the listeners. So if you want to hear it all, Make sure you leave a like, subscribe, download, and give it a listen, and uh, spread the word around too. Otherwise, that we'll probably just share the link around on Twitter or something, and uh, do something else so we can get it out there. But as I said, this it's just going to be the first round to kick it off. The teams are split up with between Nick and I. Nick took fifteen, and I took sixteen, since this is my podcast. With the Denver Broncos, what we did was it was a collective pick between us where we had a discussion, although the picks that we've made so far for haven't been much of a discussion. It was just kind of, hey, that's the guy. What we're doing with the picks is that we're making them based on what we will do with a little bit of what we think teams will do. It's a combination of it, too. And we're not going to go super in-depth as to why we made the picks, but we will give a short short reasoning for it. And So, Nick, you're going to kick us off since you got the Cleveland Browns. I took, see, I'm kind of doing what I'd like to do, but also I'm trying to forecast just a little bit. And we've known it for a bit, so I'm not going to do too much fanfare. Sam Darnold with the first pick, he absolutely, apparently killed his pro day. I don't know, I was busy working. But I feel like it's been known since before the Senior Bowl. Like Carl went down to the Senior Bowl, I talked to some Browns people, and they're all like, it's, it's going to be Sam Darnold. And you've been saying, it's going to be Sam Darnold. And everybody else has. There's a little bit of like, oh my gosh, Saquon Barkley going first for a little bit, but that's that's stupid. If anybody's been following me on Twitter or knows me at all, I've been 110,000%. I know that's not even a real number, but that's that's how far I've been on the, the quarterback bandwagon. 
So Sam Darnold here, number one, lock it, load it, write it in pen. I don't care, but that's going to be the pick. Yeah, for sure. It's been, as you said, it's been known for a while. And for the next two picks, we've got the New York Giants and the New York Jets, and uh, both of them are coming for me. And again, they're both quarterbacks with the Giants going Josh Rosen. I understand that some people are sitting there saying that, oh, the Giants front office and staff, they still really like Eli Manning and think they can compete with him and they want to add talent around him. But you're in a position to go get a future franchise guy now. you got to go do it. You still have plenty of other picks who sit there and add the talent around Eli Manning. But if you don't take a franchise quarterback in the position that, with the position that the Giants are in now, Eli and his age and his decline, they're setting up the team to be a failure for quite a few years because who knows how long it'll be before they get back into this position. And if you ever use David Webb as a reason to not take a quarterback, I'm sorry, but just you shouldn't you shouldn't be talking because he hasn't shown anything. And that what the team that selected him was a different front office and a different staff than the team that's coaching him now. So he wasn't good in college. I don't expect him to take the strides forward to be a franchise guy in the NFL either. Maybe a solid backup, but they, you got to go get the franchise guy for post Eli Manning. And then the Jets, they when they moved up, a lot of people were freaking out because they moved up for Baker Mayfield. So they thought, well. The Jets moved up because they want to get either Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. If the Giants do, for some reason, pass on the quarterback and take somebody else, and the Jets probably take Josh Rosen here. But since in our mock that we have the Giants taking Rosen, the Jets take Allen, whom they absolutely love. I've heard that they just don't have Baker Mayfield in their top three quarterbacks. He's a part of that second tier that has Lamar Jackson in it as well. And that they also have some requirements for hand size and height, especially being in New York and all the weird weather that they can have there. So they take Josh Allen. He's that big, mobile, athletic guy, but he struggles with accuracy and has a lot of mechanical stuff that he's got to work on. And with them having Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, it gives them some options that they have in place so that they don't have to start Josh Allen right away. And so we're back to you with the Browns. All I got to say is that you ruined my dreams not leaving Josh Rosen to follow the Broncos, and I'm going to be sad forever. So I'm Josh Rosen. If he gets past the Giants pick, I think they're making a grave mistake. I understand that you have Eli Manning. I understand you got some weapons around him and maybe a chance to make a run pretty soon. But I think Sam Donald and Rosen are two legit all-around prospects. You know, There's no such thing as a surefire prospect, but those got to be the first two picks. Like They... They have too much tools for the quarterback position, and there's not a surefire edge rusher, tackle, pass rusher this season. So those guys got to be the first two. But with the third pick, or the fourth pick here with the Browns, Browns' second pick, I'm going to give them Bradley Chubb. I know that Colts fans are going to be disappointed about this, but I, I think Ogba is a better situational guy. And what we've learned from teams that have been doing well in the playoffs recently, I mean, look at the Eagles last year. They had, what was it, seven guys with 20-plus pressures. You got to have a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback. So pairing Chubb, with Garrett and Agba and a franchise quarterback and Sam Darnold, I mean, that's that's what I would be looking to do. You nab on your board the two best players at the two most important positions on the field, and you got a lot of picks in the second round coming up too. So for me, it's got to be Chubb. Yeah, being able to pair that, this not as an elite pass rusher as Miles Garrett, but a guy who's probably on that second, maybe bottom end of the second, pass rusher opposite him, they're going to be able to get after the quarterback. And that's something that you got to be able to do in the NFL when the Broncos were able to do it, they're averaging like one sack every hundred snaps. So it was just a ridiculous number. And so obviously importance of getting after the quarterback can't be understated. Now, again, we both kind of collectively spoke about the Broncos picks and the Broncos are on the clock with the fifth pick. And 
I don't remember if we actually talked about anybody else or if we just made this pick. Do you? I mean, we've talked about this pick agnosium, so I feel like we both know where we are at <laughs> with it. So it's not really a surprise. I mean, there there will be a discussion for the Broncos when this pick comes on the board. You have, in my opinion, and Ben Albright's been tweeting it as well. And I mean, obviously what you've heard and everything. Quentin Nelson's definitely high on their board, but I just can't see them passing Baker Mayfield in this situation. And that's, that's what we went with. Yep. And my big reasoning for it is, again, Case Keenum's only on a two-year deal. You're not guaranteed that he's going to be able to play well enough to get more onto that deal afterwards. If he does, then maybe. If not, then Denver can look to move him after this year if they're comfortable with Baker Mayfield. Or they could even place one of the tags on him and trade him after he signs it, or they just let him walk and take a compensatory pick. So it just provides a lot of different options, and they're able to go cheaper at the quarterback position after a while. And with a guy who's fierce competitor, I understand all the issues with him and his character and his maturity. But I think that if you put him in the right building and have the right guys working with him, then that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, Baker Mayfield isn't my quarterback one. He's not even my sole possession of quarterback two. I'm, I don't know. He'll probably end up either tied for my quarterback two or my quarterback three with Darnold being two. But it's it's close. I think Darnold obviously, in my opinion, has higher upside, can make more uh, throws with less effort, I guess is what you're looking for, compared to Mayfield, but Mayfield's fine. I would love Rosen. I think that he's going to be number one, but Baker Mayfield is, I think, going to be a franchise quarterback, and he's a good pair with Case Keenum, and it's it's time the Broncos make moves at the quarterback position. You don't get a draft five every year, and not only that, but it's a year where you don't have an elite offensive tackle, an elite, in my opinion, a blue-chip edge rusher. I think Chubb is great. I don't think he's the same level as Bosa, Mac, Clowney, Vaughn, Garrett, which would make him a blue chip in my mind. So go with the quarterback, hopefully set up your franchise for a while, and I would rather swing for the fences in that regard. But now it is my pick with the Colts. They are pretty bummed because Bradley Chubb is gone. That's got to be their number one target. But I have him going Quentin Nelson. I think Quentin Nelson is probably the most likely to be a great player in this class. It's just, I know the guard's getting more important, but you can find guards in the NFL. You know, you can, there's late round guys that have succeeded at guard. One of the best guards in the NFL was available on free agency this season. He got paid, but it's not like you're paying the 20th best guard the best money for a guard all time, like you saw at tackle. So they're, they're both important, and Nelson's going to be a top 10 pick. But I just I think that you'd rather have a tackle there. But Nelson's the best pick there. Helps Andrew Luck. That's got to be the main thing for the Colts. Got to get that defense better, but you got to help Andrew Luck. And I think that's the pick. Also, the best one of the best free agents to hit the market this year was the offensive guard Andrew Norwell, and he went undrafted. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you can you can find guards throughout, especially in this year's draft class. There's a lot of talent on the interior offensive line. That's honestly one of the main reasons I'm I will like getting Quentin Nelson, but I'll feel a little bit underwhelmed because I feel like you can get a solid starter day two. Like spoiler alert, maybe what the Broncos do around two. Yeah, I agree. And next up's the Buccaneers. They need some rushing help, and Saquon Barkley, he's available. This pick is a match made in heaven with Bradley Chubb off the board, and they got to get some help for Jamie's Winston. He's not able to do it by himself, and they've lacked a serious rushing attack for the last few years. So Barkley comes in, and he gives them that rush that they got to have to hopefully take that offense to the next level. And the Bears go Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia. That gives them a defensive 
let's see, what's the word I want to use? A, a captain, a uh, uh, linchpin. Uh, yeah, linchpin. Yeah, defensive linchpin, a guy that can do a lot. Of, he can do a lot of different things for the Bears defense, and they have some issues there. And that defensive coordinator that the Bears have, it's going to be a fun piece for him to work with and develop, and a guy who can cover tight ends and running backs, which is becoming kind of needed in the NFL. I mean, has been needed in the NFL and in the NFC North, it's becoming needed because the Packers just went and got Jimmy Graham and the Vikings have Kyle Rudolph. So got to be able to cover those tight ends too. And that's something that Roquan Smith does. I like all these guys, including my next pick a lot. And if the Broncos, they're almost all on the same tier to me. So if the Broncos don't take a quarterback for some reason at five, I wouldn't mind them trading back to the 10th or 9th pick and getting any of these guys. And this next pick could end up being the best player in this class, Derwin James. He's had, he had an injury luck two seasons ago and he kind of started off a little bit slow this season, but dude is a freak athlete. And I was listening to an interview with him today and listening to what his coaches had to say about him. And he just sounds like players gravitate him. He's a kid who loves practice and he's, I think he's a very special player. I love that he has the ability to play multiple spots. I think of it's Patrick's unique as well, but I think he's just not the athlete and the, the word I'm looking for physical player that Derwin James is, you know, Minka's a little bit stiff, I think, and he just doesn't look to hit. And I want defensive guys who aren't afraid to mix it up. So I really love Derwin James here. And, again, like we were talking about, bringing it back to the Broncos because this is a Broncos network. If the Broncos trade back from five for some reason, not decided to not go, to, not go quarterback, they could walk away with Chubb, Nelson, Barkley, Smith, or James. I would be happy as a pig in mud. I mean, just would be all about it. Next pick, I have the Raiders picking 10th overall. They missed that tier of guys. I don't think they would have taken Derwin James anyway with – the Raiders took a safety early last year. They took Carl Joseph early last year, so no Derwin James there, but they got to keep adding to that defense. Tremaine Edmonds is a guy they've been linked to a lot. He's a great athlete. They really got to help Khalil Mack up in that front seven, and Edmonds is a guy that they just need to have an injection of talent in that front seven. So I really like Edmonds. And keeping with the defensive side of the ball in the front seven, the Dolphins, they just let go of Nadama and Sue. Honestly, the Dolphins right now look like a team that might be picking in the top five next season. Just not been great. We'll see what Ryan Tannehill does, but... I have them going Vita Vea, defensive tackle from Washington. I think this is a little bit early for him, earlier than I would like to go with him. But after you see Derwin James, Smith, Barkley, Nelson, Chubb for positional players, I think there's a steep, steep drop-off. So Vita Vea is probably a fit there, and it's it's too bad for the Dolphins because <laughs> there's, there's really a tier there after Derwin James, in my opinion. With the Bills, I have them taking Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a kind of a... Um, Swiss Army knife for a defense. He can come down and help cover in the slot and or help some on boundary coverage as well. And then obviously he can be the safety in the on the back end. But it just kind of depends on what you're doing on any given play because he doesn't have range for a full time safety. He doesn't have the skills for a full time boundary corner. So you just got to use him in a variety of ways. And then I still question his ability to, or not so much his ability. I question his desire to be physical when it's needed. A lot of times on tape, I just see him kind of either avoid contact or turn up field and run with guys that are, um, he's in a position to tackle. And just a lot of times when you see him get behind the line, he's going low and he's not making the tackle, though he's slowing him down, which is great. But you want to be able to take him, you want to be able to take him down behind the line. But that said, again, he just offers so much. And Sean McDermott, he's a really good defensive coach. And I think that he would have a lot of fun figuring all these different ways that he could use Minka Fitzpatrick. All right. I'm up with the Redskins now. I took Deron Payne. The Redskins really needed some front seven help still. I know they brought just brought back that linebacker, but you can always add to the trenches. And they've been linked to this guy heavily. Deron Payne, 
he played better in the national championship run than he did in the regular season, but he has traits and he can really, I think he can play one gap or two gap, two gap, preferably two gap, but I think he can do both. So pain there. And then man, you guys can tell I'm definitely offensive line and front seven specific, but I have the Packers here going Harold Landry, Harold Landry. Probably this is as low as he should go. The 14th pick in the draft. And they, they really need to get some edge rushers on that team, help Aaron Rodgers. I know offensive line is important, but the Packers, I mean, getting after Kirk Cousins, making him regret going to Minnesota, <laughs> got to be a good thing up there. So Harold Andrew here makes a lot of sense, and he honestly could end up being the best pass rusher in this class. He has some issues against the run, but it's still about getting to the quarterback. And in this class, I think there's he's probably the last, quote-unquote, sure thing on the edge as far as a guy that you know is going to be able to get after the rusher somewhat on the edge. Yeah, and with the Cardinals following the Packers, I ended up going defensive line. Their defensive line took a big hit when they lost Calais Campbell. So I'm looking at a guy who can rush inside, outside, and apply pressure from the interior. And I know he's your boy, Nick, but Tavin Bryan from Florida, he just he's that guy who can be that, be that five-tech. He can be that three-tech. He can help against the run, and he can apply some really good pressure. He's got to clean up and be kind of less of a wild man rusher, but – the, some of the coaches that the Cardinals have in there, they, he can be a really good fit with them. And I know that they've had some changes on that staff. I mean, obviously, a new head coach, a lot of new guys on the defense and offensive side of the ball. But from what I hear is that they still want to kind of run a similar defensive scheme, and just Brian just fits that scheme really well. And the Ravens following them go with the cornerback, Denzel Ward. They have Jimmy Smith. Brandon Carr's getting up there in age, and they just kind of could use that slot guy this year or even a guy who can help on the boundary and Denzel Ward, I don't think he should be limited to just a slot receipt or a slot corner in the NFL. He can do inside outside. A lot of his play sometimes reminds me of Chris Harris. I don't think it's a perfect comparison between the two. Just certain elements of his game is a little bit like that. And the ability to move inside and outside and hold his own is one of them. Before I get to the next pick, though, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a like and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and share us on Facebook and Twitter and all those other social media sites, I don't even know what all there is. Is Reddit considered social media? I guess. I, I don't know. I don't really frequent Reddit. I probably should, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what else considered social media. I just know Facebook and Twitter. But please do that. Leave the like and subscribe. Share us because if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here without you. And we can't tell you how much, how appreciative we are of the fact that you guys are willing to listen to us talk and allow us to do something like this something that we enjoy and have so much passion for. It means a lot to us and just taking that small amount of time to help spread us around and make us bigger just helps means even more to us. So please just go leave a like and subscribe to us. It means a lot. And then the next pick is the chargers. And while I don't think this is being talked about a lot in the media or in the public eye, I think the chargers should be looking at offensive line still i know they just signed um, maurice pouncey on the interior they have dan feeney and forrest lamp coming back but the issue is that offensive tackle russell okung has had issues staying healthy and michael schofield is not a answer at right tackle i think connor williams from texas he'll con- he can come in and start immediately at right tackle pushing michael schofield to a backup spot which is where he's best at even though he did play decently last year it wasn't good enough to be a solidified as a starter like he seems to be and then if Okung gets hurt or something, that they can move Williams over to left tackle and they have that potential franchise left tackle there in place as well. 
And I just think that it's a pick that makes a lot more sense than just not quite getting talked about like it should be. It does make sense. And then for the Seahawks, I have them going Mike McGlinchey. He's probably the safest offensive tackle in this class just due to the size and everything. I don't think he has tremendous upside, but I mean, it's kind of like taking offensive tackle this year, especially early. It's like eating your vegetables. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to do it. It's not the most fun thing to do. There are guys there that are more flashy, but you're getting yourself a solid starter, I think, in Mike McGlinchey, and it's something the Seahawks really need to do. I mean, Russell Wilson's your franchise quarterback, and he is getting literally killed. You know, he survived so far, Bronco fans. You don't need to go all in on the offensive line one season. It can be one more than one season, but you do have to protect them eventually. So this is uh, taking your vegetables. And then speaking of offensive line, I have the Cowboys strengthening a strength, adding Isaiah Wynn, who honestly could end up the best offensive line in this class. I'd be 0% surprised. If he was two inches taller, I think he'd be contending with Nelson for the first pick in this draft because he'd be at tackle. And when he, he might still get a run at tackle. I don't think he will, but I love his athleticism. He just he glides. And if I think you put him at guard, I think even a chance at center, he's going to be a special guy. And I love pairing him with Martin, Frederick, and Tyron Smith, You know, getting that unit there and just, just a dominating offensive line. Yeah, I really like those two picks. I mean, I'm not as high on McGlinchey. And I don't think he should be a first-round pick, but obviously the Seahawks have such a need there that I can that they should probably reach for him or any offensive lineman. And then the Cowboys as well, strengthening a strength. Isaiah Wynn being, having that versatility of all five spots adds so much value there as well. The next pick that I have is the Detroit Lions. I think this pick is obvious. Um, as long as he's there, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be the guy. Kind of similarly to the 20th pick overall last year, I mean, early March, it was well known that the Broncos were going Garrett Bowles at number 20. Provided he was there, he was there. They took him this year. Provided Darius Geis is there at number 20, the Lions are going to take him. They they have had so many issues trying to get a running game. They've had many running backs, and they've failed to really get one going. Amir Abdullah, he's solid, but he's not a full-time guy, and he's very limited at what he does. Geis will sit here and allow – We'll give them that between the tackles runner and you can catch out of the backfield. It, get, it gives them a true, true number one running back that they don't have. And Amir Abdullah would be that perfect number two behind him. So it's just, it's a pick that immediately gives a huge shot in the arm to that offense that needs it. I can't disagree. I feel like they might enjoy to go elsewhere, but what can you do? Bengals, honestly, I struggle with the Bengals here. The Cordy Glenn thing really kind of threw a wrench in my idea of them. I know they need defensive help across the board, but it feels like a team that really just needs to hit that offense. But I went here with my best remaining defensive player on the board, my cornerback number two, Jair Alexander from Louisville. He's nearly six foot, and he ran extremely well at the combine. His tape two seasons ago, special, very special. Mean guy. He's kind of a – imagine Chris Harris's playing style – and a little bit longer, but kind of the body type with Aqib Tlaib's attitude. That's Jair Alexander. He's he's a chirper, and I really enjoy his tape, and he he, he showed out. So he's just got to stay healthy. You know, there's some concerns there, but I think that he has a very good chance to end up being a very good corner from this class. Yeah, I agree. He's one of my top cornerbacks, and I'm just – I don't know. I'm not as scared by size that corner as much as I used to be. And I think if as long as they can play like Ward and Alexander can – then they should still be in that first round. They have to be able to be competitive at the catch point. Yeah, and both of them them have shown that to me. So Yeah, I wish Ward was a little bit better with his awareness. Sometimes he's too happy to play the receiver instead of the ball. 
Yeah. You know, sometimes like it's like, dude, like turn your head around. You're there. You're there. You're in that dude's personal space. You are on them. If you just turned your head around and look for the ball, you would get interceptions or make a play on the ball. But that's neither here nor there. There's this isn't this isn't last year's cornerback class. So what can you do? There's starters though to be had. Yep. And the Bills obviously they need a quarterback and they weren't able to move up in this mock. And uh, we just, we talked about doing trades and I think we said that we would, we just never did any. And so Lamar Jackson, he's the best quarterback on the market. I don't think that it's a guy that they really want to take. I think they would rather get Josh Allen or Josh Rosen. So it ends up being, you got to take the best guy on the board. You got to find somebody to be an answer because who they have, they don't have an answer. So Lamar Jackson. I mean, maybe Sean McDermott with his experience with Cam Newton can find a similar way to use him. Obviously, Cam Newton is a lot bigger and stronger than Lamar Jackson is, but maybe what they did with him to help him out with some of the accuracy issues and the running game that they put implemented in Carolina with Newton, they can do some of that with Jackson to help him out. And the Rams follow that up with Will Hernandez, the guard from UTEP. Their offensive line is pretty solid at tackle, but the interior is a little iffy. And Will Hernandez, it gives them a big, mean guard up front that they can use and really wreak havoc and on defenses when it comes to the running game and just let them attack and run Todd Gurley behind him every single run, basically, because he's going to make a big hole, most likely by putting his guy on the ground and open up a lot of space for Gurley. It's just so many different ways the Rams could go. They have a really good team still in place, but they have still have some holes. And I think adding this blocker up front for in front for Todd Gurley is something that they really need to do. I honestly was hoping you'd go a different direction there on the offensive line for the Rams. For the Rams, I see them, their offense is, they use a lot of spread concepts. You know, Goff is comfortable on that, a lot of shotgun, a lot of getting the ball to Gurley in space. And not that Hernandez isn't athletic, but one of my favorite movement interior offensive linemen in this entire class is the center from Iowa, James Daniels. And right now, the center for the Rams is this guy from Iowa who played guard in Austin Blythe, and they really could use an upgrade there. And I would James Daniels is one of the better move blockers I've seen in a long time. But Will Hernandez is a good pick there. I was actually going to go with him. But I actually went with another Iowa player here with the 24th pick, Josh Jackson. The Panthers moved on from Daryl Worthy in a trade, and they could definitely use some cornerback help. And Josh Jackson is a good fit here. They like to play a lot of zone in Carolina. And Jackson is one of the better ball hawk zone cornerbacks in this class. I don't think he's got the the skills to play very physical at the line of scrimmage to start. But let him play a little bit off ball. Let him come downhill. Let him be aggressive in that regard. And I think he could be a pretty good cornerback. He's, he's definitely got some limitations. He's raw. But the length, the athleticism, and the ball skills is all are all huge pluses for him and make him a valuable cornerback at this stage in the draft. Yeah, and for the Falcons after them, I follow up with another corner with Isaiah Oliver. He's actually higher rated on my board than Josh Jackson, and the Falcons could use some help opposite Desmond Trufant. Their corner that they have there now had a really rough year, and I part of me feels that he's maybe better suited to working the slot instead of being a boundary guy. And Oliver, he can be that boundary guy. He's really competitive when it comes to the contesting catches at the at the high point so and he's got really good length too and he just seems to fit what the falcons want to do on that defense especially in that secondary and then the titans they follow that up with a pass rusher and marcus davenport from university of texas san antonio they need help up front they need help getting after the quarterback that it was something that really hurt them this last year multiple times marcus davenport a lot of teams have him 
as a top three edge. He's not for me personally, but I still think that he goes early. And just the athletic upside that Davenport brings is something that I think that the Titans really want to add to that defense. Not bad, not bad. See, Isaiah Oliver, for me, I get a little bit of vibes of Dominique rogers Camardi. Good length, good athleticism, a guy who can play down the field and stick with guys, but when it comes to protecting the D-gap, just does not look like he's has any interest in tackling guys. Yeah, I agree. That's my big issue with him is how is he going to do when it comes to the run game? He just he looks like he just does not does not give. I mean, he obviously cares, but he just he doesn't have it. He does not get his helmet on guys. Yeah. And when it comes to screens, he can get washed out. He'll I mean, obviously strength and conditioning is going to be bigger for him. He'll get bigger in the NFL, but he just I don't know. I like my cornerbacks to be guys who revel in hitting. And he, there's just something that's missing there. He can obviously overcome it, but Dominique Rodgers Camardi, the same thing. Good cornerback that holds Super Bowl season for the Broncos. And then they get to the playoffs and they're running those end arounds with Percy Harvin and getting Russell Wilson you know, on the edge. And Dominique Rodgers Camardi is being blocked 20 yards down the field. So just watch out for that. If if it wasn't for that, I think Isaiah Oliver would be a top 20 pick for sure in this class. He still might because the cornerback position is valuable, but it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth personally. For the Saints, they just need to get some front seven help. I'm not sure about the the best fit here for linebacker, but he's a guy who can play some edge. He can be moved around, talented linebacker. Rashawn Evans, the Saints are close to getting there this season. You know, they, they are Super Bowl contenders as it can be. Evans is the best player on the board at this point for me, and their offense is solid. I just would like a little bit more playmakers on that defensive side in the front seven, and Evans is the best one there, so I don't have Evans here. I follow that up with another linebacker. Uh- Bronco, Boise State linebacker, Leighton Vander Esch. He just screams like he's a typical Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker, really. Whenever I watch him, he reminds me quite a bit of Ryan Shazier. And he, so he just fits that mold of what the Steelers want. And I don't know if he's there. I don't. I think this is the pick. And I'm pretty confident in saying that. But obviously, there's a big concern that he might not be there. And then the Jaguars follow that up with Tyrell Crosby, an offensive lineman from Oregon. He's a guy who can play guard or tackle. And... The Jaguars, they don't have the best guards in the world. I mean, I know they, end, what, they ended up getting Norwell, didn't they? Yeah, they have a pretty good guard in Norwell. <laughs> yeah, but they can still use another guy um, opposite him. And then they have Cam Robinson, who struggled a little bit down the stretch. So maybe Crosby, if they have to kick um, Robinson inside, then they have Crosby, who can play that left tackle. Or they have Jeremy Parnell at right tackle, and he's going to get – he's really cheap to cut next year. So it just gives them a lot of options. At the very worst, it gives them another guard with Crosby. Best or, or another thing is that it's a tackle. It's just, again, it's just so many different options that they have by taking Crosby. It's a good value pick for them. I mean, it might be a little bit of a reach for Crosby there because he might be a little bit of a tweener. I like him better in zone, I think. But you can't, you can't really hate going with offensive line when you're that team. I mean, you have a great defense already, and you have a guy like Leonard Fournette. Build a great defense. Crosby is pretty good in the run game, and I I mean, it just makes sense. That's what teams do in their position. As for the next pick, it's the Vikings. They add a guy that they've been heavily linked with. I really wanted to go defense here. It just didn't really add up given their signing of Sheldon Richardson. So I'm with Billy Price. He's a guy who can play center or guard. He's worked with current Vikings center Pat Elfline, and if it wasn't for that pec injury, I would think he might be going higher than this. Maybe not. I mean, can't be certain, but Billy Price is a solid interior offensive lineman, and really helps that Viking front five. You know, they were a team last year that were better in the pass game than the run game. Price is a guy who's loves football. I mean, listening to him talk, it's like, man, 
you know, Quentin Nelson is the one that <laughs> made you get fired up when you heard him talk. Billy Price was kind of that same same manner, and he offers some versatility on the inside as well. And just just a solid pick for them. Vikings are making a run. They got Cook coming back next year, and adding Price means that offensive line is going to be that much better to help that defense get off the field and control control the rock. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just want to say, if Billy Price did hurt his peck, he would have been my pick for the Rams instead of Will Hernandez. Mm. With the peck injury, though, I just think that Hernandez is a little bit safer pick, and that's what the Rams need. And the Vikings are in a position where they can be a little bit riskier with it. Agreed. All right, and for the next pick for me, I'm going to have the Patriots, of course, probably getting a steal in this class. We were already doing this mock, and we got the news today that Will, Maurice Hurst saw the doctors in Michigan, and I think it was Harvard was the other one. Yes. And he's good to go. He's going to participate. And I think the pro day is tomorrow as well for Michigan, and he's going to participate. And he's a little bit small for me, in my opinion, for what I look for. But again, I use the scouting lenses from a Denver Broncos perspective, and they like a little bit, a little bit more length. But Maurice Hurst is potentially the best interior pass rusher in this class. He could end up a perennial 7 to 10 sack guy from the inside. And I don't think he's consistent enough, but that's just it just feels like a Patriots pick where they're going to get that guy who slipped for some reason. You know, the heart thing made teams a little bit more concerned than they probably should have been, and they, they get a pass rusher that just helps Bill Belichick and that Patriots defense that much more next season. Yeah, and I just want to say that this mock, the first round of it was done on Wednesday, March 21st. So there's been a couple moves recently that may end up changing some of this stuff a little bit. But since we did it prior before recording, obviously, it's going to be a little bit off. But for the most part, I think we're both comfortable with the picks that we made. And with the Eagles to round out the first round, again, Super Bowl champions, you can be afforded a little bit of a, a little bit of leeway for what you want to do. So I had them going DJ Moore, the receiver from Maryland. He's what, the only receiver to go in the first round in this mock? Yes, he is. I just think that giving another weapon, obviously they just signed um, what Mike Williams, I think. They have uh, the one receiver, I can't think of his name, and then they have Alshon Jeffrey as well. DJ Moore is just another playmaker for that offense, another tool that they can use in a variety of ways, just something that brings more fun and more weapons to that offense that really just played great. And the talent around the quarterback position is what really helped them win the Super Bowl after Carson Wentz went down. And with Carson Wentz coming back, giving him another weapon, that offense could be really unstoppable. Well, that's going to wrap up the first round of this seven-round mock draft. As I said before, is that we, depending on how this one does, is we might record for the rest of the rounds or we might just finish it up and release the link on Twitter or something. But before we get out of here, I do want to get a couple of thoughts from you. So before we get out of here, I just want to get, what are two bold predictions that you have and two not-so-bold predictions for round one? Uh, bold predictions? Yep. I think that the Bills are not going to be able to trade up. I think that they're going to have to settle for Lamar Jackson at some point or maybe even really reach on a guy like Mason Rudolph. Another bold prediction, I think that we are going to see at least six offensive linemen in the first round total. Not so bold prediction. I think Sam Darnold goes to the first pick. And I think we see four running backs go in the top top six picks. Four running backs? Not running backs, quarterbacks. <laughs> quarterbacks. <laughs> Definitely not running backs, quarterbacks. All right, for my two bold predictions, I really wanted to take the Bills one of them not being able to trade up, but I'm going to go with that we don't see another trade in the top five. 
And in the top 10, we only see one more trade. That's my bold prediction. No more trades in the top five with only one more in the top 10. And my second bold prediction, no receivers go in the first round. I know that we have DJ Moore going in the first round in our mock, but in the actual NFL draft, I don't think a receiver goes round one. Not so bold, not so bold predictions is that Saquon Barkley falls out of the top five. And let's see, what's another one I can do? At least five cornerbacks go in the first round. Let me rephrase that. Five defensive backs, I mean. So those are my two bold predictions and two not-so-bold predictions. Now, what are two things that you expect to happen and two things that would surprise you? I expect the... I expect all of Derwin James, Roquan Smith, Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, and Bradley Chubb to go in the top 12 in the draft. It would surprise me if an offensive tackle went before the... 12th pick in this class things that wouldn't surprise me uh, somebody's taken way too early by a team like at the end of the first round is somebody that's tested really well athletically maybe a guy like justin reed or jo- josh sweat goes very early and i wouldn't be surprised if a late round quarterback that we weren't expecting to go in the first round will go but again we already threw up mason rudolph could see a team like the jags going there and then some talk of kyle Oletta going round one so look out for that and two things that I expect to happen, only one offensive lineman in the top 15. I think that'll be Quentin Nelson. I don't see any of the other ones there. Uh, another thing I expect to happen is Mika Fitzpatrick falling out of the top 12. Maybe this could have been a bold prediction as well to media and Twitter, but from everything I've ta- heard from teams is that a lot of them don't have him in the top 10 or top 15 even. So that's one I could think. And I could think of at least 12 players that I would take ahead of him. So that's going to be one of the things I expect to happen. And two things that would surprise you, while an offensive tackle going in the top eight, I know the Bears and the Colts, they both need a lot of help. So maybe if they don't get Quentin, one of them doesn't get Quentin Nelson, they end up reaching on a on a uh, offensive tackle. And another thing that would surprise me is a team like the Steelers or the Chargers or the Ravens, a later round team that has an established quarterback trading up to get a quarterback. That would surprise me a little bit. I think that they would actually, pro- I think they'll stay put and just take a guy at some point instead. But it would, so it'd be surprising if they trade up and do it. So before we get in out of here, do you have any parting comments? The Broncos better walk out with a dang QB or I'm going to be butthurt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and with all things that it looks like, it looks like that looks like that Baker Mayfield will fall into the lap as it stands now. So that's some good news for some a lot of Bronco fans. And well, just so you know, if Josh Rosen ends up the better quarterback, you will never hear the end of it from me. <laughs> I'm prepared never. for that. Never. Well, that's going to wrap up this show. So thank you all for listening to Trickle Down Theories. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Nick Kendall, MHH, and my own at Eric Trickle. You can always reach us on there with any kind of question, and we are more than willing to respond. We love the interaction with all of you fans, listeners, and readers of our content. Without your support, we wouldn't be here without you, so we thank you a lot. And also, please follow Mile High Huddle for all of our written work at FromMileHighHuddle.com. And the Huddle Up Pod for all the podcasts that come out with the other ones being more focused on the Denver Broncos or the draft. And make sure you keep an ear out or an eye out or follow my YouTube channel, Eric Trickle, as eventually I'll be doing live breakdowns. I was going to try to get to one this week, but some stuff came up and I wasn't able to. And I had a great time with you, Nick, and I hope to have you on again in the future. For Nick, I'm your host, Eric Trickle, and thank you for listening to Trickle Down Theories and have a wonderful day. Mile High Huddle.